No my hearty Mike, Tene Hotaka, welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here. Just some traffic for you for Auckland. Be prepared for a few roadwork closures on Auckland's motorways overnight, including closure of State Highway 1 southbound lanes between Fanshawe Street and Green Lane from 10pm. That is tonight. Also, State Highway 65 Springs Junction to Murchison, uh, a fire. The road is now closed between Springs Junction and Murchison due to a fire. Uh, avoid this area and delay your journey. Now, on today, let's look at the new, um, well, let's look at what incoming Prime Minister Chris Hipkins will change, if anything. There were hints made this morning around tax. What might they be? We discussed that. Also today, a time to make swimming lessons at your school through to year eight mandatory. That's what our guest on the panel thinks. It's been a tragic weekend on the water in Auckland with six drownings. Uh, Mana Tairawhiti, a group including farmers and horticulturalists, Māori landowners and conservation workers, they've launched a petition to do something about forestry slash what are roads made of? Why do they get ripped up so easily? We talk about that today. And on the panel, what gig or concert so affected you that you cried? What gig made you cry? That's the question today. I'll start. It was by an artist and his band at the Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne, and they played the song. Telling you right now, I, I was almost on the floor. I, I shed tears. I couldn't believe I was there watching. I can't recall his name. Prince Rogers Prince. Nelson. There we go. Prince. Uh, so, what uh, concert so affected you that you cried? Text me two one zero one. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With us in our Christchurch studio, Paula Penfold, senior journalist with Investigative Unit Stuff Circuit. Paula, kia ora. Happy New Year. Kia ora. Kia ora. Happy New Year to you too, Wallace, and to you, Alan. Yeah. Yes, Alan, uh, science communicator, former professor of chemistry at AUT. Alan, welcome to the panel. Thank you very much, Wallace, and yeah, Happy New Year to both of yeah. you as well. Thanks. The news that Jacinda Ardern will be stepping down as Prime Minister hit headlines across the world, in particular her comments about the toll the job had taken. I know what this job takes. And I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple. But burnout is not just reserved for world leaders, and many would know, have no doubt been reflecting on their own lives over the weekend. So what are signs of burnout and what can be done about it with us is Alyssa Eppel, a professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioural Sciences at the University of California at San Francisco. Professor Apel, welcome to the panel here in New Zealand. Thank you so much. Thrilled to talk to my favourite country. <laughs> oh, that's nice of you to say. <laughs> uh, that's a positive note to start. And, well, how did you react? Well, while you're here, how, how did you react to this news that uh, Jacinda Ardern uh, stepped down? Not enough in the tank. Mm. She's been a global icon. We have admired her from afar 
for her style of leadership, for her caring, for her building trust in her and the way New Zealand has responded to the pandemic. So it was a blow, but wow, an absolute striking example of what we need to do as humans when to prevent burnout and to acknowledge when we have burnout. So I think she's an inspiration. There's a lot of stigma about mental health and martyrdom. And it's unbelievably important to talk about our own mental health and reduce the stigma. Now, she was, you know, yes, being a world leader is going to be, you know, the ultimate example of, of service, losing control of your time and your personal life. And so stress accumulates in the body. We get exhausted. But on top of that, she was dealing with constant crisis, public and private bullying, life threats. That's going to take a heavy toll on anyone's physical and mental health. One body can only take so much without having respite to recover. Yeah, and we're talking about uh, Jacinda Ardern there, but as you say, you can extrapolate that out to actually many others. And um, as I said, even a couple of uh, friends of mine discussed whether or not uh, actually they had enough in the tank to cope with their jobs. And and across the board, Alyssa, be it you know, in service, in retail, you might have a cleaning job, supermarket, right through to that um, uh, that corporate job, what are a couple of symptoms that we might want to watch for? Yes, good question. One is emotional exhaustion. We get so emotionally on edge and numb, and so we feel stressed, but we don't feel our specific emotions as, as clearly, and we need that information. We might feel depersonalized or cynical. That's feeling distanced, maybe even numb demoralized, and we just feel like we can't do a good job anymore. We feel helpless to do things well like we used to. So it's, it's really quite a, a toll on our morale, on our emotional well-being, and on our body. Right. Let's bring our panel, Paula. I mean, in your career, have you, is this something that you've recognized uh, at one stage or stages uh, along uh, your lines of work? Uh, yes, to be honest. In fact, uh, just last year, I think I experienced some of the things that are just mm. being described. I probably didn't recognise it at the time, I, but I did feel some of those things, and then you know took some steps to address it. And you know that's just in a journalism job. I mean, you look at the professions that 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 frequently suffer from burnout. You know, health professionals and many of their emergency mm. service workers, um, and uh, you know. It, it, it's it's certainly real, and I do applaud somebody in such a uh, public position being honest about that being a contributing factor to her deciding to step aside. All right, Alan? Mm. I mean, not that it's related necessarily, but it, it always amazes me that Jacinda Ardern, or the Prime Minister, whoever it is, is, is not the highest paid person in the country. Mm. Um, you know, like, you know, vice-chancellors of universities getting paid more than more than she does, and you know, I mean, any amount of money is probably not worth the amount of stress that you've got to go through with um, with all that comes with that job. And, um, you know, who, whoever puts their hand up and says, I'm going to do that job has has my absolute ad- admiration because um, that's, that's got, it's, you know, it has to be the hardest job in the country. So, um, uh, Professor Epel, what are a couple of ways to uh, address it? Is it uh, time to clum come clean with your boss or, as they say, the, the person that you report to? I mean, what do you do? Oh, it's tough. 
because it's yeah. not just something you can build your coping skills for. It really requires changes at the institutional level or structural level. And so, yes, we need to bond together and have discussions about changing the culture. Every single person who supervises employees at every level can be part of the solution here. We need to understand chronic stress uses so much energy and ATP. No wonder we're all exhausted from this prolonged pandemic and all of the other crises that we've been dealing with, personal and global. And then burnout is an even more extreme response to that, typically because of work, but it could be unpaid work at home, such as caregiving, special needs parenting. And the, the depression is also a risk which is then a more extreme condition where there's suicidality and the thoughts turn negative about not just one's performance, but oneself and one's worth. So there's a slippery slope here. Burnout's related to, um, to all of these problems, physical health problems and depression. So what do we do? We, we've got to improve, realize that we can't have a rush culture. It's toxic. We can't choose um, quantity over quality, and we need to treat every person as it, their whole being, starting meetings with checking in, creating flexible schedules with breaks, oh, yes. hiring more people, yes. Yeah, very hiring more people, yes. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. Resonating uh, amongst uh, some people. Very nice to have you here in, in New Zealand, uh, Alyssa Kiora. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Be well. That's Professor Professor Alyssa Ebel there, a professor in the Department of Psychiatry. He's written a lot. Excuse me, on... Oh, that just went down the wrong way, that water. <laughs> <laughs> There's some real radio right there. Sorry I'm not there to give you a slap on the uh, Take well, over for me. <laughs> Paul or Alan. Oh, gosh. Oh, Alan's gracious the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Come and round, on come round radio, and pat yeah. me on the back. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay, so anyway, I was actually um, reading many texts here. So many texts. Um, who, how did who who did you? What gig made you cry? Pavarotti at Mount Smart Stadium. I cried like a baby all night. I was in the Lion Brewery's corporate box, and um, all my mates wondered what was happening to me. <laughs> okay, I, I really thought that your answer to the crying thing, Wallace, was going to be meatloaf. Yeah, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. That, that was... Because the reaction it provokes in me? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Time for I've been thinking. Paula Penfold, take it away. I've been... I know lots of people have been thinking and there have been lots of reckons about this since uh, Jacinda Ardern decided that she was... Uh, announced her resignation as Prime Minister. Uh, but I am interested in the level of vitriol towards public figures, particularly the level of vitriol towards women in public roles. And there's a story out on stuff this afternoon. The research has yet to actually be published, but University of Auckland researchers have looked at this and they've found that the data in the places that they've been monitoring, which are in, you know, on the dark web, many of these places, the darkest corners of the internet, and 93% of toxic posts against seven high-profile politicians and officials were against the Prime Minister. Now, some of that, of course, will be because she's in the top job, but you would have to... Um, you'd have to think that a lot of that, when you examine the nature of the post, as I've done for some of my reporting, uh, is because she's a woman. 
Now, you know, you, you, I don't know if you heard Christopher Luxon the other morning on Morning Report mm-hmm. prevaricating about whether it's worse for women in politics, and he said he wasn't sure. Later in the day, he made up his mind, or somebody made up his mind for him, that <laughs> indeed uh, it is worse for women. But, but in a way, it doesn't really matter whether Jacinda Ardern will ever talk about it, whether she will ever admit that it was a contributing factor to her leaving the job, because what it has done is it's normalised it. I mean, the same story talks about the fact that there have been over a 100 threats, as in serious threats, made against her. Eight of those have ended up in court. And you see, in the work that we've done at Stuff Circuit, you see the mainstreaming of it. It doesn't just happen on Telegram or on HCoon, on the dark web. It happens on Facebook now. It happens on Twitter. It's a part of the kind of almost accepted, horrifyingly, social discourse. And that's what I think we need to be reckoning with, that whether or not you accept that it is gendered, it is happening, and it's happening in absolutely vile and horrific ways, and it's not good for any of us. Can we just talk about this for a bit? Can we, can we put your I've been thinking over to half past four, uh, Alan? Because just yep. on the back, sure. this, this is something I wanted to sort of bring <clears throat> up. This is research by Chris Wilson, right? So uh, mm-hmm. an online, uh, used to be published, an online hate tracker found Jacinda Ardern was the target of 93% of toxic posts against seven high-profile politicians and officials with a total of um, 5,438 abusive messages uh, compare that with 200 to 400 posts over the same period for the other six hmm. politicians. And the interesting question. So there's your factoids there, hmm. is that what we're saying, Paula? Uh, <clears throat> if, we, if, we wa- if, we want to, if we want to talk about reckons, here are some facts this afternoon. Yeah, that's right. And there's other data available too. The Disinformation Project, of course, has been studying this um, throughout the pandemic and seen the the horrific uptick in both the volume and the violence of the stuff. And yeah, the data exists. There needs to be more, but there also needs to be... Um, uh, we need to be taking this right. seriously because why would anybody do that job? <laughs> we are with uh, Paula Penfold and Ellen Blackman this afternoon. A lot to discuss. Thanks for being with us this Monday afternoon here on the panel on RNZ National.